I'm Carson Block of Zeros TV. Welcome to another edition of Zero Fucks Given. I'm joined by Krista DeLuca. We're now in studio Hello. in Austin. And um, Freddie is in tropical London. Um, <laughs> looks like he's at a suite at Claridge's. I, I got to say, when we've done Zoom calls in the past and you're in London, you kind of were always in like, I don't want to say shithole, but I mean, this is This, this is, is pretty classy. classy. Look at those fucking fixtures, man. You know what it is? Finally, my parents are selling the house I grew up in, and we've been allowed to sit in the nice room for the last couple of weeks um, after 20-something years of them having this. They're like, oh, we don't need it anymore. You're now allowed to sit in it. So, uh, yeah, we're sitting in uh, what the English would refer to as the fancy dining room or the drawing room. Oh, okay. All right. So no more shots of the room where you grew up, chained to the radiator, etc. So... Um, it's good. This is much better, oh, no. much, much more posh, befitting of a, a gentleman with a British accent. Cool. All right. So who wants to kick this off? How fucking hot is it in Austin today? And how much do you wish you were back in California, Carson? Well, right here, it's probably about 70 degrees in the office, but, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't really. T okay, so uh, what was yesterday? Yesterday felt hot. It's, it was like 107. Okay, yesterday was 107. Uh, yeah, man, I got to say the weather in Cali Northern California was just astoundingly good. It was cooler than usual. So I think that like Northern California basically gave its heat energy to the rest of the Northern Hemisphere for the month of July, which you know, was fine with me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking hot, you know, and and Soren sent me a message the other day saying that he thinks people will actually start leaving Austin as a result of this. So, really? Now, well, that's what he said. But my question is, aside from the three, maybe four months of total shit, like it's it's pretty good here. And yeah, I had I a like lot. Of, I had a lot of conversations with people in California uh, when I was back about what it's like being in Austin, and it was interesting because the. The point that people thought was the most, well, that they thought was the most fascinating was when I said, look, being in a blue city in a red state, we're mixing with people, or I'm mixed with people of very different ideological views from my own. And like, everybody's cool. Like my kid yeah. plays Little League and, you know, with a lot of Westlake kids. And right before I left, I got to know this one father who's, you know, and I'm, I'm just like, I think I literally was talking about with him, like Elon Dick, uh, Elon Musk smacking everybody in the face with his dick. And, and then that dude was like, hey, man, like uh, once a month I have people over to my house to you know, have or have guys over to drink whiskey and, and cognac. Wait, stop. And Rewind. Didn't he also ask no, you no, if you were? No, 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 no. This is, so this is where it comes. He's like, oh. so would be great for great for you to come and hang out. And, uh, you know, we're all we're all Christian conservatives. I'm like, all right, well, listen, bro, I'd love to. I'm an atheist. And I don't know, like when there used to be such a thing as the center, I used to think of myself as left of center. But anyway, so supposedly I was still I will still get the invitation. But that's what I'm talking about. Like people in Northern California were like, wow, like you get to mix with those people regularly. Yeah. And it's civil. I still got him, Freddie, just so you know, like a little gold cross. Nothing too tacky. <laughs> Just like, I just want to, you know, 
I want him to fit in a little the bit more. The cross that you stopped wearing when you realized you were too much of a sinner to Yes. To, to no, that wear. one I did stop wearing because it was diamond. It was flashy. It was tacky. But no. this one is is 100%, you know, Your Jesus 18 piece. Carat. Yeah, this is my Jesus piece. <laughs> exactly. I, I just want to fit it. I want him to fit in. You know, you know what I find funniest about this? It's been, I think, four months since I heard about the the invite to the prayer meeting. Turns out, uh, you know, they haven't quite gotten back on that yet, have they? They they might have watched one or two of these and thought, eh, we'll pass up on that. I actually I sent him a link to one of them, but um, no, the 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 prayer meeting invite. I told him I was away July. Can't go any sooner than August. So, you know, I'm waiting for it. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm telling you, it's, it's interesting. And that, that did resonate in California when I said, yeah, I talk to people all the time who are not of the same political stripe. And, you know, we can all like root for our kids and, and stuff and get along. So it's, it's really, really one of the very few places in America like that. And despite the fact that California was so beautiful and the scenery is gorgeous, people are just, it's fucking lame. Yeah, I agree with them. Not every single person. No, no, of course not. But, of you know. course not. No, no. But there are a lot. I mean, they ruin, it takes so much it to it takes so much to fuck that state up, and they did. Yeah, just the just the people we meet. Just the people we meet are lame, or what? <laughs> yeah, just the you know we didn't meet them all. Just the ones we met. Just the ones we met. Um, speaking about sort of like Austin versus. San Francisco. I sent you a link, Freddie, to the um, Austin homeless shelters will have new leadership. California-based urban alchemy. So I just thought this was so funny because they're like, they're like, oh my God, we're being overrun. You know, we need we need to find new leadership, and they actually went to California for this, like. Wow. Is is that unbelievable? Well, yeah, I mean the You know, when I when I think about leadership, I always used to think that it was a terrible idea that Venezuela um are now run by a guy who is a I think a former bus driver, if if I remember correct. But as I think about the homeless problem in Austin. I actually like the idea of electing a California bus driver to show some leadership, come pick them all up and actually take them to San Francisco. So I I think Venezuela might be a little bit ahead of the curve. And the only reason I'm so interested in Venezuela at the moment is I'm, I'm reading this book. Uh, I'm really, I, I did buy the book just because of the cover. The title of the book I think is brilliant. It's Things are never so bad they can't get worse. It just really <laughs> appealed to me to read something with that with that title. So um, yeah, Venezuela way ahead of the curve. Well, let's let's be totally honest here, okay? I think the reason you are interested in Venezuela. Several years ago, I remember you took a trip to Panama, <laughs> and. For, for fun and, you know, obviously conducting short selling activities because, you know, clearly what goes better with short selling, especially on the than, beach, than Panama and um, well, Panamanian <laughs> banks. Um, but you were in Panama and you said that there were all these women from Venezuela 
you know, like running around with like huge fake tits. And so you told me true, that Venezuela actually paid for women to have implants. Like that was one of the government yes. initiatives. So I would imagine that like Is that being, true? Like I hadn't heard that, but Freddie, are you, were you being sarcastic? Hundred percent true. They it was a heavily subsidized um and this was when like oil was back at a hundred and Venezuela like in theory had a GDP like similar to Kuwait. Um they they did have heavily subsidized uh, breast augmentation um program, which based on the ones who got out, was used. Obviously, your interest in Venezuela started with that, but given Venezuela now, I mean, I <laughs> kind of worry you'd be able to see like the outlines of the logos on the, you know, breast implants from these, you know, starving people. So starving women, I guess, or well, maybe not, you know, but I don't know. They probably don't do the gender dead. identity thing there, do they? No, it's, I got to tell you two things I've noticed about LADAM. Me Too really did not take off in any meaningful way in LATAM. <laughs> I feel like, like we should like... Remotely. And I don't think... And I've, I've only been to Panama recently, but I, I don't think I saw a single transgender bathroom in Panama. So... They're not just behind in terms of um, calories consumed per day. It's it's other social issues too. Okay. Okay. Well, that's worth us going to war over, I'd say. <laughs> Clearly. All right. So, so anyway, anything else you want to know about California and my return there? Um, I don't know anything else you want to share. I mean, by the way, Freddie, he's lost fifteen pounds. I didn't say 50, 15. Does he look okay. thinner? Yeah, no, TV puts like 20 on you, so. So you, you might be thinking that I went down the road. You know, my, our place uh, is you know, just pretty close to the Mark Cahotis Institute of Lap Band Research and Penis Enlargement. Oh. And no, that is not how I lost weight. And I certainly would never have you know, visited the penis enlargement division either, but, of course um, not. but of course not. But anyway, no, I, I Freddie needs the address. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, I mean, back in the day, he would have given you a coupon, but you know, these days like, no man, you know, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, um, no, I, I lost the weight, but it actually was, um, lingering, lingering shit from COVID dude. I got to tell you, man, like it's, you know, I, I think I'm past that, but uh, this was not a fun trip to California. You know, this was first two weeks just felt absolutely awful from like lingering COVID shit that I had in at the end of April. And, um, you know, which was mild at the time. Um, so COVID is a bizarre fucking thing. And yeah, then um, there was we did a couple of reports while I was out there. So, you know, Hassey good. Yes. And Joe Manchin bad. So, yeah, so it was, it was not much of a vacation. I think the most relaxed I was was, like, the last time we did this show and I was sitting there on my deck, you know, outside. Pathetic. Yeah, no, it sucked. Really it sucked. And, you know, I'm not spending, I'm capping myself at 45 days a year in California. So that just blew through a lot of my, Calif my, my whole California quota in a very unsatisfying way. 
I mean, look, maybe if you took less vacation, just saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know. Well, speaking of people who are going on little vacations, um, there's Brave Nancy Pelosi. Brave Nancy Pelosi. All right. So are you sarcastic when you say that? No. I'm... Yeah, I got to tell you, I think it was astoundingly fucking stupid to get on a plane, poke the bear, and be like, hey, best case scenario, we end up looking tough. Worst case scenario, they actually do follow through, nuke Taiwan, and uh, you start World War Three just because you wanted to go and get first-hand read on the chip supply so your husband can trade it. Um, the upside-downside for me just seems tremendously bad on that. Okay, so... I think after we film, I'm going to try to edit that out because I think it'd be incredibly valuable to have Nancy Pelosi as one of our LPs. Had she, had she been one of our LPs, I'm sure we wouldn't have gotten nailed by the Joe Manchin news just like right before we went public on Sunrun. I know. I mean, like, that's my, that's my thing. It's like, there was no way to guard against this unless, unless, unless Nancy Pelosi were an LP. So don't insult Nancy Pelosi, you know, I mean, anymore because... Did you see the um, uh, the interview with Kyle that I sent you? I like about... how you're on a first name basis with Kyle Bass. I am. I like that. Well, I thought you were friends with him. Yeah, but that's, that's good that that means, and now I'm an extension you of you. you're friends with him too. I did not see it. And just, sorry, just to cut back and really upset you, Carson... I know you think our returns have been decent, not marketing, um, and not particularly volatile, not marketing. But when you tell Nancy Pelosi that we have losing trades, I think her interest is going to wane somewhat because that's probably a lot less appealing than the kind of alpha she's really thinking about. Well, <laughs> I actually, I look, she probably tanks one every now and then. <laughs> All right, just just for optical reasons. So that would be her assumption. Like, oh, that's why you guys were, you know, short, massively short sun run right before Joe Manchin signed on to the bill, right? Like optically, you want to throw one because that's what I do. Um, but anyway, getting back to the substance of it, um, I don't know, man. I disagree on all that poking the bear, World War Three shit, whatever, because... If China's going to invade Taiwan, okay, th this will not change their mind about whether they're going to do it. So, and I don't think they're going to invade Taiwan because Nancy Pelosi showed up. If they moved up their timetable, that would be advantageous to us because they are likely not prepared militarily to do it yet. So I think that the China moving up its timetable to own Nancy Pelosi would likely be deleterious to China. But the reality is China is under Xi is just a pure fucking bully. And I'm glad that Nancy Pelosi, who kowtows and genuflects to every far left impulse that makes it on Twitter in the U.S., right. actually has the fucking cojones to go down. to China and say, fuck you. Now, there are obviously political reasons she's doing that, but yeah, man, I think she speaks for most of America when she says, fuck you, Xi Jinping. 
So good on her. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, if this is the last um, zero fucks given filmed above ground because China's nuked us and we're in a bunker. Get your ICBM. I do want to keep this bit in. Get that ICBM. Okay. Um, so turns out I'm not getting my ICBM. Uh, I, I did look into it. Every single part of like being anywhere near the ICBM having even like an expert come in, moving an ICBM, even if you, I just wanted to move the tip. I, I did look at like, okay, can we like get the rest of it and just keep the tip and have that poking out the ground? Highly, highly, highly illegal. However. I want to tell I, you that's bullshit. And I I'm with did, you. I did just see a friend of mine who, who went to a, a wedding at a castle outside of Nottingham. And, um, they had like cannons they were lighting, like old school English, like, you know, cannonball cannons. That looks pretty fucking cool. And as far as I'm aware, not illegal. So a little medieval probably doesn't have the range of an ICBM outside of a North Korean one, but um, sends a similar message. Yeah, but they're, they're actually, they're, there's a real cannon just a couple of blocks up um, at the state house here. Of course there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. I, I mean, it won't d differentiate you here in Texas, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, it's like an old school cannon. But, um, yeah, just listen. I, in terms of the World War Three thing, maybe you're also a little sensitive because you're no longer in the Austin area or you're not there at present. And um, I don't know if I said this on a prior episode. I hope I didn't. But I learned from good source that supposedly... Round Rock, Texas, which is maybe 45 minutes north of here, is the safest place in the U.S. from an ICBM uh, nuclear attack. So supposedly... Long story short, who do you think is like looking into move there? No, just not moving, just buying underground parking, buying underground parking garages. I was literally about to say... I can't believe he believed that real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Imagine the guy's like, I just started my career. They're, they're trying to get me to sell these fucking underground parking garages, you know, like. Of course, Carson's like, what? Of course that makes sense. What a great idea. So anyway, but yeah, I do. That, that will be, um, I wish I could make that a fund expense, but you know, probably can't. Why can't we? I know it's security, right? You might be dead, but we'll still be managing your money. You know what we could do? We could house our server down there. You know, that's that's not a bad idea. I don't know if you caught this, but right before we filmed, I sent out a tweet. <laughs> Please saying, go look at it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Please if, go look at if it. If anybody in it. asset management has an outsourced IT provider that they don't loathe, please DM me. And the first response... <laughs> The first response was like, look at the this. clip from Pulp Fiction where John Travolta is just like fucking hammered walking into Mia Wallace's it's, house and he's like looking around and can't find anything and stumbling. It's and, so good. Yeah. And the, it's and, so good. And the person wrote, looking for that, be like, <laughs> it's, like it's so, so true. Good. These, these IT provide, uh, well, I used to be okay with our IT provider, but private equity bought it and... I was, I was talking with our COO, Scott, earlier today, and he said, yeah, I think that our firm, 
their primary clients are in private equity right now. They don't really do a ton of public equity. And I said, you know, that's the thing. Like when these guys in private equity who are their clients call the help desk and after waiting like interminable lengths of time, the person picks up and has no idea what the fuck they're talking about. The PE guys are probably like, man, that's some good shit. I love what you did with this. I wish we bought it and cut it to the bone ourselves. <laughs> Meanwhile, we, <laughs> it's a little bit different, the reaction that we have. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm, that's a great idea. I'll buy the underground parking garage, move in there, and we'll put the servers there too. Everything is Everything. falling into place. It'd be great if you could somehow figure out a way to get that ICBM just in case we have to like defend our honor in the post-apocalyptic world or but you know Hell, we'll even throw in a little cannon in there you know what i mean nah the can the cannon <laughs> yeah no oh. well, i mean all right next topic yeah well let's amtd talk, digital let's, let's talk amtd digital and you know maybe then we'll get back to homeless shelters this was a freddy topic it's a fintech company it's i'm i'll, I'll take over I'm all kidding, I'm just joking. This is one of these, it, it actually really is a Chinese phenomenon. It's not, you know, like partial fraud, let's do something skeezy, let's do a pump and dump. It's like, let's take an entirely empty box that literally does nothing and run it up to some obscene amount. Now, this used to happen really frequently in Hong Kong. In fact, we, um, we exposed basically an empty box, um, Superb Summit, back in 2014, December, I think. Uh, November uh, of 2014. 20, November 2014. And then um, we actually had the fortitude a year later to be in Hong Kong and went to their office. And um, we got in this really nice gift wrapped empty box from Harvey Nichols, which is like a high end department store and presented it to them at their office. And, uh, you know, Carson was explained, I mean, they were really shook, shaken up. You were at the door. Um, if the DOJ hadn't seized my phone, we could have showed you the pictures. Um, we're actually at the door. And, uh, you know, in like Carlson Chinese, he's trying to explain to like, no, this is an empty box because you are an empty box. And she's just like blowing her mind. But um, lo and behold, we have another one of these. Carson Chinese? Yes. I know. Bro, this was good Chinese. <laughs> so I wrote character inside empty. I was like, and so I this is really like nice. No, my Chinese was good enough. Like we went to the door. By the way, this and, wasn't 2014 because I was part of this. No. Oh. No, you, you just wish you were. But uh, no, then they, they box went to the building, scenario. their office, rang the bell, and this woman know, came and okay. answered it. And and um and I said, you know, I, I don't know. Woman Anyway. So, Get out of here. That is, we are giving you this, this present. It is an empty box because your company, and I used which is like a very uh, formal term, like an honorific term, like your esteemed company is mm -hmm. an empty box. box. So anyway. We've um, used this theme of the empty box before in New York. Do you I mean, remember? 
That's why I'm thinking. I, I put, use the theme of the empty box yes, in New York. We, we had like they, it was like their uh, company's board meeting and we had all this stuff. And oh, we, no, and, that was a black box. Sorry, I'm sorry, it was, a, was black a black box. box. Yeah. It's different than the empty box. Yeah. To me, a box is a box. And that, no, I mean, that had nothing to do with the strip club either. It always that, goes back that was, to the strip club. That was a different trip. <laughs> so anyway, once again, we have another one of these empty boxes. Uh, the, the last one I can remember was, um, uh, there, there was one a few years ago that they suspended uh, that the ticker will come back to me. Um, it was just outrageous. Like there, there was just a headquarters in like Canada and then they realized to be included into the index, they needed to have like a US headquarters. So they moved the PO box from like Canada to the US and then the market cap shot up like $12 billion. Um, this HKD is brilliant because I think the underlying business is a Hong Kong brokerage. So they took themselves public largely, claimed to have raised $120 million in the deal, although my assumption is it was like about a million dollars of retirees in Florida money and then $119 million of the chairman's buddy. And they've manipulated this thing up to about a $400 billion market cap. I mean, it's more right. valuable than Goldman, arguably a more ethical business as well. Um, <laughs> it's, right. it's just, it's this like very Chinese phenomenon of like, let's not stop at 20 billion. Like, let's just take it to 400. Like, let's make it really obvious that we do not give a fuck. Right. Well, the, the best part about that, when you think of, about the whole situation is that a bunch of these companies from China are about to be delisted. And so for whatever reason, we're still like in this bent over position, you know, like, oh, <laughs> another Chinese company come in. <laughs> and they're they're like, all right, we're gonna totally fuck with these guys. We're gonna bring ourselves public, claim to raise 120 million. But yeah, like you said, I'm sure the real money raised, the real float is like a little sliver of nothing. And then just easily ramp the fucking stock by buying this tiny, tiny, tiny amount of float. And yeah, like, I don't know what the ultimate exit is. I mean, of course, this will cause it if they can keep it up here, which probably given what the real float is, won't cost a lot of money. They'll get included in all the index funds. All these stupid fucks like Vanguard and BlackRock are going to come along and buy it. I mean, because this is the game in Hong Kong, right? They'll slam their bid. Make a bunch of money, so I, I do know what the end game is, and then the thing will collapse. But the I'm sure for the Chinese, like the best part is like ha ha ha, you know, just the egregiousness of the market cap. Like right before you delist us, like you are. I mean, it really does make me feel, on behalf of America, like embarrassed and stupid for letting these fucks in when we know that, like the you know, we're about to throw the lot of them out. It just you know, these guys are going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, I mean, I think once again, it just shows how prepared the exchanges are to hook of themselves. And, um, you know, along that topic, we've we've actually got a guest speaker um, in the next few weeks who has got some really revelatory, interesting commentary on 
how markets work and certain data that is being provided by exchanges to certain participants um, that I, I don't think is widely known. So I don't want to get too into that because I, I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. But um, yeah, once again, well done the exchanges for hookering yourself out for you know, a dollar or two. Yeah, I mean, and there's no real investment bank you can criticize in this case, though. It's just amazing that they were, these guys were somehow able to do their own underwriting a Chinese bank in the U.S. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you know somewhere there's a Credit Suisse syndicate furious they couldn't get on the deal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a fun one. So it'll it'll be a good one to watch it probably will like this you know amtd should become a recurring segment on the show just like tiger and c and credit suisse and yeah so that's my vote okay and you know my vote counts for everything yeah so. i'm like then it's done yeah i mean you still should and delivered i mean you should at least just since your vote really doesn't <laughs> count you should just eagerly agree with me i always agree with you right. <laughs> Okay. Uh, he's got one of those like golden share deals, right? Where, you know, it's, you know, one vote carries a hundred and then there's like 99 other shares. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's feeling like such a golden share this week. I got to tell you, <laughs> maybe even fucking platinum. Um, all right, cool. So the next thing on the agenda Oh, why are you showing me this? No, no, no. The next thing on the agenda. And why don't you read it? You can read. I nope. No, it's what you were talking. Well, did we already discuss this? Well, and the boxes from China. How companies respond to short sellers. Oh and yeah. With particular emphasis on our two recent reports, Hassi and Sunrun. Oh, yeah. And then um, this is all you. M N S O, the fastest ind independent. independent committee independent committee ever. Ever. So, I thought it would be interesting, um, just given that Sunrun came out with you know a pretty aggressive uh, evil short seller, uh, you know, doing this because the you know the stock squeezed on them. It's like guys. You have Joe Manchin to thank for that. Don't pat yourselves on the back like you did anything. Oh, no, they kept bragging about the stock performance since the report. Up 27%, like, you know, kind of flat from the moment we put it out, but whatever. Yeah. Um, reminds me of another short seller who sometimes tweets out how well he's done, but is well aware that that has nothing to do with himself. It's largely a function of markets going down. But look, I'm not going to name names. Right. But this is the one you said would be played by a wardrobe, right? Or armoire. Yes, that one. It is that same one. Um, you know, what I, what I think is interesting is we, we often joke that we can write the responses. Um, you know, I think the Hassi response was a masterclass in gobbledygook and not actually answering any questions. Um, Sunron went for the ad hominem attack. And um, MNSO, the, the company... Well, no, I got, I, I got a... I, I kind of would flip it around on you. I think Hassi was much okay. more ad hominem. Um, they 
they, I think I counted the number of disparaging adjectives at, you know, six or seven in a relatively brief response. Um, you know, milling, you know, malinformed, ignorant, stuff like that. So Hassey was very, Hassey was very, very um, ad hominem, hyperbolic, a um, lot of little dick energy coming off that small press release, I got to tell you, with Hassey. Oh. Um, now, Sunrun, you know, Sunrun definitely had some little dick energy, but they weren't as, they weren't as ad hominem. I mean, of course, every single response that I think I've ever seen to an activist short seller puts report or research in quotes. <laughs> it's just like, they're such fucking assholes. But at least, and this is kind of rare, at least Sunrun mentioned us by name. Um, I think they usually say something like the short seller report, but they don't want to mention they, the short why seller. Why do they do that usually? It's just like a little fuck you, you know, that, but it's so, it's so petty. But, um, but the fun, the reality is the moment a well-known activist short seller puts out a piece on a company, all the crisis communication firms are like calling the company yeah. and the template is always the same. It's just, Hey, say that they're wrong as many times as you can. And this was the Sunrun response, right? So they, they took a while to respond, but I think the Sunrun response is seven or eight pages. So it's, it's pretty lengthy. And they kept saying that we were wrong, I mean, even when it came to things that we didn't talk about. So, but that's pretty typical, right? Answer the questions you wish you'd been asked instead of the questions you actually have been asked. And um, yeah, that was, and that, that was pretty, so the Sunrun response I thought was pretty pro forma. Hassey was, as I said, more defensive, more little dick energy than I would expect. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and then that guy went on CNBC and, you know, it was just, I, we put out that morning, just three questions, three simple questions that guy had to answer, uh, the Hannon Armstrong CEO. And the questions weren't asked well, but... When he was asked, but he didn't how, answer. No, no, no. Right? How much? This is. I mean, how much? Uh, how much non-cash, unrealizable income, meaning it will never be received as cash, did Hassey book in 2021? And so he was asked that, and he's like, Ah, we uh, we were we said we we answered yeah. that in our response. It's like, No, you didn't. And that's the thing that just killed me that. You know, she let him get away with that. Like, no, you didn't answer yeah. it. Say it, bitch. It's about $300 million when you reported $127 million in net nice. income. Yeah. yeah, like way, way, way yeah. nice with this guy. But anyway, that was, yeah, that was uh, like whatever. The Hassey was amusing um, and they just won't answer that question. And it's just, it's kind of funny because like the sell side analysts, I mean, sell side analysts are always just, you know, they are what they are, right? They're they're there to be like you know decorations on the wall, effectively. You know what? I I, I think you're being too nice to sell side analysts because I'll tell you what I think. If you go way way back, like fifteen years ago, some of those sell side analysts cared enough about their reputation and there was enough money in it that they wanted to be superstars. Now they really, really suck. Like, you know, there was there was a time 15 years ago where if you were a really good sell-side analyst, you were actually, 
you know, your compensation was very competitive with the best analysts at hedge funds and effectively the banks were competing to keep you um, out of the cause of the buy side. And I, I think the intellectual dishonesty, uh, in many cases, the, the inability to engage with, with critics or people who are hostile. Look, occasionally, to their credit, there are some analysts that have engaged with us. There are others who refuse to, even though we make it very clear we will keep that communication between ourselves and it's not some kind of, you know, pissing competition where we're trying to scream at them that we're 10 times smarter and we've done 15 times more work. We genuinely want to have an intellectual debate. And what we're hoping to get out of that is maybe the analyst walks away and says, okay, these are a couple of areas I am less familiar with. I could prod a little bit harder there on an earnings call or, you know, even privately follow up with the company to understand that. And, uh, I think they proactively bury their heads in the sand. I actually think it's pretty revolting. Oh, absolutely. Well, what I was going to say, though, is when you get to the like green tech companies, I mean, these guys are particularly, the sell-side analysts are particularly just, I mean, sycophantic. They're just gross, basically. And I mean, that's the thing. It, that's what all of, going back a few years, you know, i I was looking at getting solar panels on the house in, in California, so you know, because I thought like, you know, maybe that's a good idea. And we never did. Um, just I did have concerns that that could be a fire risk with embers getting trapped underneath it, burning a hole in the roof and, you know, burning the whole house down. But what I know now, just these companies are so full of shit. I'm not convinced that these solar panels actually net-net remove carbon when they're made in China with coal-fired power and apparently like slave labor in Xinjiang. I'm, so I'm not convinced that these things are net negative in terms of carbon emissions when you look at solar panels. But it's like, it, it so reminds me of the feeling that I got after living in the Bay Area for a while because it became clear in the Bay Area that you could rob a bank come out and if the cops were there, he'd be like, I'm a trans Native American. And they'd be like, oh, okay, well, go right ahead. You know, so if you're like saving the world, nobody asks questions. Or if you're a marginalized person in San Francisco. So no, these guys don't ask questions because everybody yeah. wants to hug a fucking solar panel. Like they're so nice and cuddly. And it's just, so th that's how these analysts are. And I was, just, I was just listening to the Sun Run Q2 call. He was. And so the CEO, Mary Powell, it's just funny listening to her. She's, they're based in San Francisco, of course. It's like, yeah, and so we crushed it and it was an awesome quarter. And so then the first analyst they call on is this Julian whatever from B of A. And he's, I mean, this guy was so enthusiastic. He's like, oh, you know, just fantastic quarter. And ah, like you could hear it in his voice. And so before Mary Powell answers the fake question, she actually says, well, huh, Julian, thank you for that enthusiasm. Like he exceeded her level of enthusiasm. That's how fucking ridiculous this whole like sell side analyst charade is, especially in like the green tech ESG bullshit space. So anyhow, yeah, that's the quality of like, you know, quote, analyst we're dealing with. Let's just put analyst in quotes. 
you know, from now on. But um, or or yes. analyst. Yeah, we no. You know what? That's what we should start doing. Analyst. Yeah, sell side analysts. Yeah, fuck them. They always put report and research. They do the same thing. They they seldom mention muddy waters. Also, um, so yeah. yeah, like you know, let's just let's just treat them with the lack of respect which they actually are due versus of course i think we're due a lot of respect and they they show none yeah and then look i i don't want to be remiss i do want to give a, a shout out to um miniso uh, tickers mnso um i don't even want to talk about the report i i just want to give them credit for putting out the fastest ever on record i think um special committee review I think from announcing it to uh, turning it around and saying that everything was fine was about 48 hours, which is, that's the fastest I'm aware of. That beats even Tal. I think Tal, Tal took maybe five or six days um, in 2018. So yeah, no, that's... To be fair, they could have done that in about 12 minutes but they needed to allow enough time for um, Tung Yue to back up the truck and, you know, call Bill Huang and be like, no, 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 this is another education one. It's a fraud. We should buy the fuck out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, can you, can you move some swap over? Yeah, yeah, if you could. Yeah, that would give us a little bit more headroom because, you know, we can only buy like 10% of the company on swap. Yeah, that's, that's why that took six days. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, also like Archigos might have needed to have opened another PB account or two in the meantime. So I could see that. Full disclosure, we are short Miniso, but um, I think we should put that yes. out there for, we're obviously short Passy and Sunrun, hence we talk about them. Yeah, so once again, Chinese companies setting the standards of excellence. I mean, really, I think just holding up a mirror to, uh, to our markets and basically saying, there's so much bullshit in the US. Like we're, you know, like we're just a little bit more over the top than you guys are. Okay, maybe a lot more, but still. It's it's just the most egregious version of all the shit that's going on day in and day out here in the US anyway. So, uh, by lots of guys who have memberships at good country clubs that I would never get into. <laughs> never. Never. You wouldn't cuz you're Italian. Cool. You wouldn't cuz you're a Jew. And I wouldn't because I'm me. True. So. There you go. Not Krista. He's just he's just lashing out because they uninvited him to the prayer group. There's a club for it. us, don't you I worry. Know. There's a club for me, definitely. I don't, I'm not in your... <laughs> I'm a different league, clearly. You'd be... I'm the office manager, at. <laughs> Look, you, you would do fine until you like started talking. Oh, that's lovely. It's so nice, isn't it? Thank goodness I get paid well. Nice. And we can end on that. There we go. <laughs> 10 million VND bonus. I know. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's good pay. Sounds good. All right. Well, okay. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we look to forward to doing this a little bit more regularly now that um, I'm here and I guess Freddie will be back at some point. So till then. Um, Cheers. Fail and set sail. Fail and set sail. Fail and set Cheers. sail. <laughs>